Welcome to episode five of Trev Talks, the podcast. Now, so far we've had chairman, we've had players, but I thought I'd do something a little bit different this week and include people that are always there at a game because you can't miss them, which are the supporters. So today I'm joined by James Lampard, who is or who was one half of the Talking Wanderers pod- podcast, but he's now the Talking Wanderers podcast. <laughs> James, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, Trev. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to... Um... We're hoping to get another host soon, uh, put it that way. But yeah, uh, By the time we start and the season starts and we've got our holidays out of the way and stuff, hopefully we'll have another host, somebody that's going to come on board and do some episodes anyway. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, well, we'll, we'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, and as I said in the intro bit there, we've, well, I've had David, David Blackmore, the chairman of Eastbourne Borough, and I had Bromley's Callum Reynolds on a couple of weeks ago as well, and also uh, Patrick Chambers at, uh, at Gloucester as well. And I... Just had a thought the other week, and a couple of people have actually said about wanting to come on, sort of as fans and stuff. I thought actually that's not a bad idea, so I thought I'll um, I'll I'll arrange a few of those as well, and then it gives another different aspect of of how we see things. We've had people off the pitch in the boardrooms, we've had people on the pitch, so now it's um, now it's going to be the turn of the people that that, that sit and watch and dissect <laughs> everything on social media. So James is obviously quite well known as. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, one of the hosts of the Talking Wanderers po- podcast, which obviously covers Dorking Wanderers, and everyone knows the fairy tale, don't they, James, of the rise up through the through the leagues and everything. But do you have a Premier League club that you follow? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go on. Uh, Liverpool, my Premier okay. League team. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a child of the '80s, so they were like the team that was winning everything. My family uh-huh. are all West. My family are all West Ham supporters, but. Um, I've gone um, slightly, slightly awry. My mum always wonders what's happened to uh, <laughs> me to support Liverpool. Well, she said that um, when I was a baby um, and West Ham won the 1980 Cup final in Trevor Brooking yep. School when they beat Arsenal, she was bouncing me on my on her knee. And um, from that point on, I just had bad memories around West Ham, so that's why I didn't support them. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. Do you get out to Anfield much at all? Uh, no, not really. No, because I tend to go and watch Dawkins. So very much just watching on the telly and things like that. When we were kids, we used to go and watch. Um, we used to go to like see Liverpool when they played West Ham at Upton Park. We'd go and watch Liverpool when they played Palace and stuff like that, Wimbledon and and places like that. But it's just so expensive, and you just unless you've been to a million games, you know, and you you're a member or something to get mm. tickets, it's it's so difficult. So um, I tend I've been with my brother a few times to watch West Ham over the years. We've been to Upton Park quite a lot, and I, he's got a season ticket. My mum as well at, at the Olympic Stadium, so I've been up there and watched them a few times when there's been a ticket going spare. So I do still go occasionally to Premier League games, but um, primarily non-league, yeah. But as we mentioned, you're a Dorking, Dorking Wanderers fan, and and and, yep. and as it's well documented, the fairy tale rise from 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 the park football through the Sussex County leagues right the way up to the pinnacle of non-league football now in the in the national league. When did are you local to Dorking that you it's always been the nearest club for you to go and watch? Well, I mean, yeah. So Dorking is where I I don't live in Dorking anymore, but it's where I lived and spent the first part like. 30 years of my life so um yeah that's where I was um born and grew up in Dorking went to school in Dorking and um so I used to go my family we used to go and watch the old Dorking football club 
on the yep. site of Meta, where Meta Bank is now. So we used to go down there and watch the old um, Dorking FC. And, um, you know, in the 90s and stuff, they were a non-league team that you could go and watch and, and played against all the non-league teams that you sort of see now. And it was only at the weekend when Wanderers had their pre-season friendly against Walton and Hersham and and Dawkins would have been playing teams such as Walton and Hersham and clubs like that over the years when they were in the Isthmian leagues and the Ryman leagues and the Diodora leagues and all those old um, the sponsors that those non-leagues had at those at those time. And I'm I'm sure at my mum's I've still got some old programs actually quite interesting of the when you look back at old league tables, mm. and the teams and the ones that some of which don't even exist anymore, um, and some that are you know clubs that are now in um combined counties and things like that because they've really fallen through the leagues um so yeah Dorking um has been my sort of town and everything um and um and then I um played for Wanderers as well um in sort of 2003 4 around that time yeah so a full Mark White disciple then, having having appeared for the Wanderers as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I've known Mark for I've known Mark for quite a long time. So before football and everything as well. So because I mean, he's talking as well. So he's a few years older than me, but um, he used to knock about with my old next door neighbour and a few other lads as well that are of similar age. So I kind of knew Mark anyway. And then uh, my brother played for them initially, and then. Um, we played for some other sort of local teams around um, the Dorking area. And then we signed and played for them for a few years from that season onwards. Yeah. So what level would that have been then 2003? Oh, it was when they were in the, it was when, when they were in the, um, I think Andrew, my brother played when they were in the um, initial, in that Crawley league that was just unreal in terms of the <laughs> level uh, of where it was. And then, they moved across to the West Sussex leagues and it was from yeah. there. It was in those West Sussex leagues that we sort of started to play. Um, and we played for Capel in those West Sussex leagues and Ockley and clubs like that as well, like local village clubs um, around near to Dorking. Um, clubs that are still going now at similar sort of levels, but obviously Wanderers have completely flown through the divisions. Um, yeah. But obviously, yeah, Mark was there. Um as part of the whole thing from the beginning. And, and yeah, he was playing then as well. He was manager and playing. And obviously, like you were, I, you know, I've, I've spoken to Mark on quite a few occasions um, and wind him up every now and then about certain little bits and pieces. Was he was he that driven back in the day that you actually thought that, you know, the point they are now in the National League, that was going to be a goal that was really, really achievable? Um, I don't think, I don't think you'd ever think that that it wasn't like right lads in 10 years we need to be here yeah but it just wanted to win all the time you know as anybody really does if they want to start playing competitive sport and that was ingrained in him and and it was just obviously it was far more you know um, relaxed and there'd be people turning up a bit hungover or whatever and <laughs> things like that and because that's that's just how it was but but we we had a we had a good side. We had good footballers from from the local area. Pretty much everybody that was part of that team was uh, from Dorking and um, a really good footballer. Um, and as you know, at at those sort of levels, generally, if you're pretty fit and 
ability wise you're better than the other teams then you're gonna mm. then you're gonna win um more often than not uh, and a lot of the times that'll get you through um and we had certain players like my brother for instance who was just he he was just a really good goal scorer as well and and if you've got a goal scorer and a captain who was an absolute um like really, really hard player to play against as well and stuff. You're just forming the basis of a good team that's going to get you through those leagues. And then as they continue to go through, um, just constantly evolving in terms of the players to just be the best that they could be. Do you know what I mean? And and I guess, and, and I've had this conversation with a few people and my brother, like Dawkins, have always had or tried to have like the best goal scorer in the league you know that sort of thing you know the best so because that will be enough a lot of the times to get you through so look at Jason Pryor's record over the last yeah. few years you know um you know weighing weighing above the best goal scorer that they had and that would be and in the league as well to get you get you out of that division you know and and that's probably the same for a lot of clubs really you know look at some of the clubs that got promoted last season and that it's the it's the it's the strikers nine times out of ten, isn't it? That are, because they're mm. the best players and they've scored an absolute hatful, that's going to get you out of that division. You know, if you've got a solid, pretty solid spine to your team as well, running through it with you know keeper, centre halves, midfielders, and a striker. That and 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 Dawkins, um, generally always had that all the way through, even in those early days, really. So, so when you sort of finished playing, was there? I thought to move on and sort of join Mark with what he was doing, you know, owning boardroom sort of time or not really your thing. Not, not really, because then, not really, because then you sort of start to go in a slightly different direction. And I carried on playing for a little bit, but then my job took me out of being able to be available, like to play all the weekends with my shift work and stuff like that. So it was very much stepping back into kind of just watching, really. Um, and, um, and I used to go and watch. I did used to go and watch Crawley for a little bit as well, because obviously they were just down the road and they they had a good team at that time. And I, and I knew that I wanted to go and watch regular football. And I and I went and watched Crawley quite a bit when they were in, um, when they went up to uh, from the conference to League yes. Two and then up into League One. Um, but then Dorking were on the rise, and obviously playing at West Humble was somewhere that um, when West Humble was sort of as an idea and everything that all came together, um, I got involved with putting some of that, you know, doing some of the stuff down there, you know, painting the changing rooms, all that sort of thing that we were doing down there. Um, and I, and I just happened to go down with a couple of others to a midweek match and pretty much watched almost every game ever since. Yeah. About eight, nine years ago. Yeah. I think as well, there's this, there's great stories out there when you when you talk to people from various different clubs about how they got involved watching non-league football and it's not it's some of it again comes through generations and through family but a lot now are drifting away as well from that professional game aren't they and coming to coming to watch because the standards improving I think year on year isn't it whatever level you're at yeah definitely uh, it's affordable it's local you know that that standard of, of football that we watched last year in that National League was absolutely brilliant. And to be able to, 
you know, I'm I'm just over in Rygate now, but it takes me ten minutes to drive back across to Dorking, and my my mum and stepdad still live in Dorking. They can watch that. They can walk down. They got season tickets as well, and watch a really good standard of football right in the centre of the town. Um, you know, and 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 when the game ends, they can be home by um, ten past five, um, having watched you know clubs like Wrexham, Notts County. Um, and all the other visitors, Chesterfield, all those other visitors, Oldham that we had last season, come to Dorking um, and see some of those some of those players, and not just the players as well, like the managers and stuff. You know, like you know, my mum uh, is a West Ham support, and obviously David Unsworth was at um, mm, yeah um, there last year. Yeah, um, Alan Devonshire, who oh, yeah. she remembers when like years and years ago when she was watching West Ham and players like that. You know, so. Um, yeah, there's loads, there's loads to it, and bit, and all the like the connections with the various clubs, and you know, a club might have a an assistant manager, you know, like you had Franny Jeffers was with Unsworth when Oldham came down last season, and and things like that. So you do, yeah, it, and it's right on your doorstep. It's absolutely brilliant, and um, and I think you're right, Trevor. I think so many people are being attracted by that now because it's affordable, and you can get, um. Get to know people as well. It's like a really nice community, as you know yourself from all the games that you go to and everything. And the, and and you know that there's always going to be people there that you can say hello to and stuff, and and get a, a warm, friendly welcome, um, no matter what ground you go to as well. So I think, irrespective of the levels, really, and the and the clubs, non-league is, is I think there were times last year it just felt like non-league was sort of almost. This this massive thing that so many people were getting involved with, you know. And I don't know whether that was just because of like stuff like Wrexham and everything, but you'd like to think that it's more sustainable than that, and it will become a really really popular avenue for people to go to with families and stuff as well and watch. And whether that's you know national or the south or the north or the lower or the um, the ones below that, you know, as you you know, you're going to watch a game tonight and. And um, I've, I've been obviously through family and stuff, watched quite a lot of the Sussex um, county level over the last couple of years with my brother. And, and I'll probably try and get to do the same again this year um, over at Loxford, where he's gone in as a as a coach as well. So, And there's always a good amount of people even at those games. If that's replicated up and down the country, then, then non-league football is, is a really, really popular place for a lot of people to go and watch. Yeah, I think it's in a very healthy state. Actually, what, what you mentioned just now with the families that and first first time we actually met up was last year for the for the York game, which Dawkins won. Was the first time I'd actually mm-hmm. been to been to Meadowbank. Spoken to Mark quite a few times beforehand, and I think the one thing that really struck me from that day was the amount of families that were there inside. And it, I suppose in a way it's quite ironic that when you hear Mark speak a lot of the time. It's the F word coming out and you balance that out the opposite way. There are families galore around, which is, you know, again, the sort of, sort of thing you want to be attracting to games to protect your future generations of supporters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, my girls come over sometimes and watch and they really enjoy it. Uh, my eldest came to the friendly last night and there were loads of kids. Even at that friendly last night, there were loads of kids there as well. And, and, and I've always thought that, Meadowbank, especially because that's mainly where they've always gone, is it is a is a safe environment for them to be in as well. Yeah. You know, and even if they're not watching too much or paying too much attention, they can sort of sit back against the fence and and play on their tablets and stuff. And 
and there's no issues or if they want to walk around and go and get themselves a drink or something to eat they they're, they're quite happy to go around and do that without me having to go around with them as well and and you can because of the sight lines at metabank you can pretty much watch them all the, go all the way around from where you where mm. you're standing anyway so um and and uh it's been the same up and down the country really there's never been an on-league round that i've been to over the last few years where i haven't felt that if i had did have the girls with me and stuff it wouldn't be somewhere that they couldn't be safe and enjoy um the football as well and and yeah. I, and that's really good and i think a lot of clubs do encourage families to go definitely yeah, the tickets, I think, pricing-wise for families are definitely a lot, lot, lot better than they used to be as well. We'll come on to the National League in a minute because that was a fantastic <laughs> nail-biting year at points for Dawkins, I think, last year as well. But <laughs> on that on that sort of rise up through once you've come out of the county leagues and you start moving through three and four, the rise was quite rapid as well. So there wasn't really a lot of time to sort of take stock of what else was around in that league at the time as well. But you now start to see, you know, especially after the pandemic years as well, clubs are starting to move up and almost start to follow your progression a little bit as well. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot of clubs out there now that kind of see Dawkins almost as a bit of a of a sort of a of a blueprint of how they mm. what they would like to emulate really. Yeah. Um on and off the pitch with the media side of everything, with the exposure through a bunch of amateurs. And there's a, obviously, a, a, um, and Richard does amazing work with that. And and now this season, he's got other clubs that he's going to be um, filming as well. Um, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, with Walton and Hersham. And obviously his friends have gone down at Loxwood. So he's going to do some of their games as well. And, and, and absolutely why not? Because that, that's, standard has been set and that's not to say that other clubs are going to replicate that with the speed in which they do go up but there's a lot there's a lot of good things that Dawkins have done over the last few years that other clubs you know will look at doing um in terms of you know even down to the playing style and and also being still being part-time it will give that it will give a lot of clubs that kind of well, if they can do it on a part-time basis then other clubs could um, potentially do that as well and show that it's not just a one-off. No, absolutely. And then that, the National League last year, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but how many times did you pinch yourself last year at away grounds mm. and even playing sides at home, like you've mentioned, the Wrexhams, Chesterfields and Notts County, and think, what are Dawkins Wanderers doing up against sides like this? <laughs> I know. It was, um, to be honest, I mean, it, it, I don't think it ever got, I don't think it, I don't think the um the kind of um what's it the I don't think it ever kind of wore off really that that kind of um is you know we're actually playing against these teams mm. I don't think that I don't think that ever wore off because as the season went on we had some of those we had some of those big clubs quite early on we had Chesterfield on the opening day yeah. and we had um Wrexham quite early on and Notts County as well quite early on into the season at home and and I've said this so many times to people and stuff, you know, as you know what Meadowbank's like, you know, it's just off the town there. Um, you can't take the coaches down the hill to the ground, so they all have to um, get off in the high street and then walk down the hill. And um, basically, when you come in through that gate, there's not like a separate entrance for the players or right. anything where they're kind of out of view. They just come in through the gate that they open next to the main turnstiles where everyone else is coming through. So, And then in that corner where they come in, is invariably 
because it's like a little tea hut there. There's invariably people sort of kicking around in that corner and stuff. So you've got these players coming in, like um, in their track suits, maybe even with headphones on. You know, Oldham came down and their track suit that they were wearing on that occasion was like a green colour one, or maybe it was Wrexham, one of the two. And it looked like the army coming through. There was like, and you're thinking, is there any more? And there's like, there's like 30 or 40 of them all in the track suit because it's like the players, the coaching staff, the the uh, media team, everybody all coming through there. And as they're coming around that corner, you know, they're, they're like tripping over kids and stuff that are in that corner as well. There's no, because there's no separate entrances. And, you know, you've got a hot cup of tea and you turn around to put some milk in it on the little table that's behind you. And there's a player that's just walked past as well. So it's, um yeah, it, it kind of, it is quite funny. And um, um I remember when Wrexham came down there, a few of them were sort of like standing, looking at the pitch and everything. And like, and uh, I remember Ollie Palmer was there and he was obviously FaceTiming somebody and he was showing them the, the ground and everything and um yeah it's just it's just completely different isn't it um completely different and that never wore off at home and then going away to some of those stadiums in the division as well you know as mm. you would have experienced some of them are just incredible places yeah. for the team yeah, to be fantastic, play, uh, um and you just think we've actually we've actually earned the right to be here as well and i think I think it took a little bit of time to get over that fact that we weren't just there to sort of like see the sights. We were, we did need to go to these places and get results, especially Mm. in the latter half of the season. You know, the first half, you're obviously not too worried. And because we had a relatively decent start, we got to 30 points quite quickly. Yeah. And then we didn't, and then we didn't get another point for ages actually until the game that you came to against York at home was the first win we'd had for ages um to take us from 30 points because we just seem to have been stuck on that number for for a long time um and then thankfully because we did have those points in the bank um the latter half of the season when the other players came in the tony craigs jason pryor frank and people like that um we went away and got some good results on the road rather than just going there to see the sights. You know, we went to Yeovil and one, obviously um, Dagenham and, and got a result um, as well. And, and they were really important. And it just felt a bit more like, right, this is, we've actually realised now we need to go to these places and get, get points. Cause yes, we know we're generally pretty strong at home, but that's, it's not going to be our home form solely. That's going to keep us up. And we will need to go to some of these away games and get, um, get wins, which thankfully we did. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I, 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 I mean, it'd probably feel the same this season again as well, Trev. Going back on the road and watching again away because you know there's there's not a huge fan base and stuff. So you turn up and invariably you pretty much know everybody that's gone to the game mm. because you'll have travelled up on the coach or um, driven up or however people have gone up there. But a lot of the time it does certainly for the further away games it does sort of become the same people that you see all the time yeah. and I think there will still be that little bit of um, you know this is a novelty but hopefully for the players and the coaching staff and the management and everything they won't be seeing that now they'll be seeing it as you know when we go to Chesterfield on that opening day we've played there last season by all accounts because I didn't go there by all accounts everybody said it was probably the best away ground they'd gone to it is lovely but it's not a case of going there and just seeing the sights it's going there on that opening day yes against one of the favourites but trying to get a result 
Yeah, it'd be lovely if he did, especially for Barnet fans. You know, we quite appreciate that. So, um, do you think as well, though, like sort of having seen, having having had that year now as well? A lot of people talk about second season syndrome, especially in the Premier League as well. Do you think actually, though, that will flip the other way, and the experience of knowing now what you'll come up against actually stands you in better stead rather than thinking, you know, we we're a little bit off the pace here. I hope so. I I, I do hope so because I think it because I think for a lot of the players and everything now, there'll be that kind of familiarity of knowing that they've gone there before and played. Because I think even for the players, a lot of the time last season was, I can remember being down at Torquay um, and I went down with Gary um, and we got there quite early. And we were outside when the players started arriving and they'd gone down to stay in a hotel, but a lot of them had driven down on their own or they'd car shared. Hmm. And they were like, basically they were walking around the ground because they didn't know where to go in where the, like, the player's entrance was. And little things like that, that you think next season they should, mm, yeah. you know, for most of the grounds, know now where they're going. You yeah. know, that shouldn't be an issue, whether they've, you know, whether they just step straight off a coach and go in the player's entrance and things like that. But the changing rooms and the setup and everything is all going to be familiar because they've at least hopefully played there this season. Well, the season's yeah. just gone. Um, so little things like that, where it's not no, just a case of... Sort of looking around and like, oh, this is nice, isn't it? Is this, you know, Mark will often come over and speak to us and he'd be like, oh, they've just given you this little section and things like that. So this season, it should be more familiar just from a, a sort of like a visual aspect for the players and for the fans and everybody as well. So, what do you think? Which I think does make a bit of a difference because it's just that familiarity, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, and it's not, it's not a novelty factor anymore and it's just, yeah feeling a bit more settled so that it's like having those nerves sometimes isn't it people get nervous sometimes because you might be going to do something the next day that you've never done before yeah and and that's hopefully gone because they know what the ground is like when they get the other end um and where the change rooms are and, and you know and and the sort of like the surroundings are quite familiar um so hopefully that'll that'll stand us in better stead and a lot of the players and the teams yes there's been movement and stuff but there's going to be that familiarity as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I think as well, so you've got new players, some new players coming in as well that will be hung, hungry to impress and improve yeah. as well. How do you think it's going to pan out this year if you take what happened last year, let's say you had the fast start, then you had maybe everyone then understood what Dorking were about and then it became that little bit tougher. Do you expect it to be a lot different this year in that respect? Um. It's hard. It's hard to say, isn't it? Really, because it, again, it is a. You are kind of going into the unknown a little bit, and obviously, the 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 side and the squad that we finished with at the back end of last season was much stronger than the side yeah. than the squad that we started with, and that's no disrespect to those that were there initially or that those were playing. But I think for most most people would agree that when you've got players of the experience and leadership values and ability of Tony Craig and Frankham coming in and then Jason Pryor coming back as well. That's only going to strengthen the squad. Um, and um, although, you know, although we haven't added, you know, we've added um, Harrison Mayle, um, the goalkeeper from Worthing, but we've got, you know, Briggs is coming back. Matt Briggs is coming back who barely, barely kicked a ball last season. Mm. You know, there were times when he was, when he started games and, and it was just too soon for him recurring from that injury that he had, it, it needed a sort of a slower build up, but there was no real opportunity to give him that. 
And I think hopefully it'll be something similar to when Alfie Rutherford does come back as well, you know, and, and if that if that all gets sort of like timed right and perhaps there's a, a period where he gets an opportunity to play either in the B team or maybe even, you know, goes out on loan or something and does something whereby he's building up gradually without just being thrown back in. There you go, Alfie's just starting today away at, you know, away at Oldham or something. Um you know, and had that sort of level of pressure and expectation, these guys are going to be like new signings in a way because they've, they've really not made an impact on the National League at all last season in the way that anybody associated with Dawkins would have wanted them to have done. Yeah, I think um, there might be one or two lads. And yeah, and they're two lads that would, would absolutely set this league alight if they were fully fit and, and playing in a team that was really confident and the, and the Dawkins teams that we've seen over the last few years because they're a big, big influence on the way we play. I can see one or two loan spells coming at Eastbourne Borough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing I was going to say as well was, I mean, I've looked at like the signings that, you know, sides have made, not just the likes of what Barnet have done, what Chesterfield, Oldham have pulled in, what it's, it's, a, it's players that York are signing. It's players that, um, who, who else did I picked up, you know, Woken again have strengthened even further. And you think that, Chesterfield yeah. might be the favourites, but you know I think there's 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 probably a dozen teams that could, could probably say you know actually playoffs could be our shout this year, and um, I know Mark's yep. Mark's aiming for that, um, you know, and again you put a run together, it's absolutely possible to do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's it's really difficult to predict, isn't it? Because there's a lot of signings. There's a lot of clubs that have had outgoings as well. There's a lot of clubs that are pessimistic about their chances this season as well. Mm. You know, I saw you know Solihull have 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 lost a lot of players, yeah. and and um, you know obviously Aldershot are a bit in the unknown now, having lost a few players and players coming in, but they've never players that they've never really seen before or heard of before, um, and it's impossible to predict. And I think until the league kicks off and then settles down. You just, it's just, it will still be really impossible to predict. It won't be until sort of Christmas time. And I know that's a bit cliche that everything starts to settle down and then people start to take stock of where they are. And yes, because it's all well and good signing all these players, isn't it? But it's then having the ability to get as much out of them as you possibly mm. can. You know, you look at York. Yes, they've signed a lot of players. You know, they're going to have, uh, Stockdale in goal, and then in front of him, they're going to have Cordner and the guy uh, Howe as well. Yeah. Hole. yeah, and but they're only going to get the opportunity to play together in pre-season, and then the season will start. And it's and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation then on the management mm. to get a lot out of those players because you know you look at any club with a manager who has those sort of resources at their disposal, there's going to be pressure and expectation from the fans that that they should be winning every game almost, you know, and that they shouldn't be dropping points to the likes of Dorkin or Wildstone or Maidenhead or any of those those sort of clubs, you know, and and they're going to go into every game thinking that they should be winning those. There's a lot of pressure and expectation, whereas I think perhaps clubs like Dorkin, maybe Gates, Ted, Barnett, clubs like that, happy to sort of sneak up on the rails and, and perhaps, you know, upset the balance of those teams up in and around the playoffs. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just before we finish on the National League, we'll have to speak about South End. Um, they managed to get another 42 day adjournment today, but 
they're then going to fall foul of the National League rule of actually being an insolvent club where they're not playing yep, yep. even their own football and staff and creditors. So, yep. it's a situation that's rumbled on for not just this season. It's been it's been going for a while. Where do you see the end? Is it now? Oh. Is it still a few days? Are we months? What do you? What Somebody do you was messaging yourself? me about this today. Somebody messaged me about this today, and I. You just don't know how it's going to end. Mm. Some somebody, a person or a group of people, at some point are going to have to make a decision, aren't they? Yeah. About this because it can't just continue to rumble on. So whether that's the national league or whoever that is, somebody's going to have to make a decision soon to say enough is enough because we can't just keep having these adjournments. And like you said, the next adjournment is going to be once the season's already kicked mm. off, and. I mean, it's absolutely awful because players have not been paid, staff have not been paid. I saw the thing, I think you retweeted it as well recently or commented on it about the, the water got the water disconnected bill, yeah. at their yeah. training facility because they hadn't paid the bill. It's just an absolute nightmare. And I, I don't know at what point somebody is going to say enough is enough um, and make... Because it's not just gonna they're not just gonna have to say enough is enough. What is then gonna happen? Is it gonna be wound up completely? Is it gonna have to start again, you know, like some of those other clubs have had to do where they had to sort of almost like um start completely from scratch almost. Yep. I, I simply don't know. I, I just genuinely don't know. And I mean, I could not I could not um you know, today it's just awful, isn't it, really? It just, uh, following that Chris Phillips, the guy from The Echo on Twitter, yeah. and it just literally, it's been adjourned. And that was pretty much all he could bring himself to say, you know, and he's a fan of the club, and there's all these fa other fans as well, like, what on earth is going to happen now? What on earth is going to happen next? You know, and uh, I mean, it, it just, for their fans and anybody associated with that club, minus Ron Martin, it's just an awful situation to be in. Awful. Yeah. I think as well, uh, you know, just, just one of them ones that you just have fingers crossed for the best possible outcome. But in reality, I genuinely don't know what that best possible outcome is going to look like in a month's time. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, for those, it's, it's those supporters every day that don't know from one minute to the next whether the club's going to be there to whether it's not. And, um, you know, I feel for yeah. each and every one of them and the amount of support they've had from, from non league clubs and fans and everything today has been fantastic but more a shame that it's not been picked up more by um you know the, the media a bit higher up but oh, no, hopefully no. it's a positive outcome for them and we, we we run with 24 clubs and not 23 this season but yeah um we'll be watching for the next few next few days and yeah months, and, I, and i mean just on that just finishing on that the, the season you know it's not that far away now no and i mean have they even have they got friendlies have they been playing pre-season friendlies no they, they should got... have played they should have played on Tuesday night against Canvey which has been moved into the 25th of July and they are due to play this Saturday but as far as I'm right. aware they've only got 14 registered players at the moment yeah I saw club. that I saw that list of the players mm. that he'd written, he'd written down as well and there's yeah it's awful isn't it it's awful he's crazy yeah. absolutely crazy but hopefully they come out the other side one way or the other yeah. so we'll it's part the National League, League there and we'll move on to the Talking Wanderers podcast, which we started mm -hmm. this season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the last season. Yeah, we started it last season. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I'd been on a few podcasts. Yeah, Because people have. have been 
like all of a sudden Dorking were in the National League and then people were saying, oh, is there any Dorking fans that we can speak to? And so a couple of a couple of them I went on, like the Oldham one and Gateshead and um, Chesterfield as well, I think. Oh, and I spoke to yeah, Barnet on the Barnet one as well with James. Yeah, James Harkin, you did, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then... And then, but I'd already been having that kind of idea. Thought, why don't we have something at Dorking as well? So, I spoke to a couple of guys that sort of do some of the media stuff, and they were happy yep. to do it. So we we kicked off and and did that last year, and I think it was pretty well um, received by people that follow the club and stuff. So yeah, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I listened to two or three of the ones you uh, did as well, um, and that, and again, it was nice. It was quite refreshing between you and Gary the way you bounced off of each other as well. And I think the different range of guests you had as well. And I think when it's just based on one club as well, it's easy to get bogged down and, you know, well, we'll have Mark on to talk about this and then we'll have Mark on to talk about that. But yeah. being able to, you know, you've got quite a, a broad a broad club in terms of the ladies, which are mm-hmm. doing very well under Callum Best. You've got the the academy there. You've got the youth set up as well. It's mm-hmm. it you, you shouldn't ever be short of material, should you? No, no. We had um we started off with this silly idea really of trying to do it every week, and then we realised that, that was too much. Yeah, we just pushed yeah. It two weeks, and then towards the end of the season, it kind of it was more like when we were free to do it really, and not having other commitments and stuff, and we had to go across to Dorking to to film it and things like that. Um, so, but it wasn't an issue really because I think by the time we were then doing them, we had lots to talk about because it might have been that there might have been three or four games in that period, so we could recap on those games and mm. stuff like that. And and yeah, we we're lucky really. We did we had a lot of people that we could get on there, and a lot of people were more than happy to be on there and um, and um, yeah, be part of it. So we were really pleased with that. And and Gary and I got quite a lot of good feedback, but obviously Gary. A sort of step back from a lot of the football stuff now. Um, so we have been sort of talking about carrying it on and, and just depending on, on how we do it and where we do it and stuff like that. But it will be, hopefully it will still be going ahead this season in one um, form or another, whether that's we do it on Zoom or whether we still do it in person and stuff like that. Because once we record it, then Ollie at the football club has quite a bit to do in terms of editing and putting it all together and stuff like that. So um, aside from his day job, that is quite um, time consuming for him. Um, whereas obviously, as you know, with yourself, when you do them on Zoom and you just record it, it's just captured straight away, isn't it? Yeah. And um, and it's done then. So, but yeah, we're hoping to still, we're hoping to still carry on and do that. It was quite funny last season, a couple of times when I was on the supporters coaches going to away games and I'll be sitting there and there'd be uh, people on the bus listening to the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd peer through the seats and the person in front of me would have it on their phone. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, I'd see that person asleep. <laughs> I, I think though, perfect time to do it last season because, you know, Dawkins have captured people's imagination. As you said, they got the exposure from a bunch of amateurs as well and, you know, Mark's receptive to an interview with anyone, anywhere, you know, and he's not. And I think as well, I think because of his professional honesty of, of how he puts things across and that, he's not prepared to sugarcoat anything. Um, you, you know, people take that interest, you know, and you bring a podcast out and people, great, there's an extra bit to the, you know, to the club yeah. I'll happily do. You know, yeah. so, you know, really good time to do it. So um, I hope I, ho- I hope you carry on with it. Um, you know, I mean, you probably, you could tap into 
people you've you know you got market eastbourne and you know there's an angle there to how different is it from being at Dorking and doing what you were doing there it's you know mm-hmm. full time as well so I think that's a great great thing about podcasts these days as well is you know like example for us doing it now you know I can um, I could put something out on, on, on Twitter and probably have four or five people go yeah I'd love to do it um, you know simple as that yeah. a couple of people I've reached out to to come onto the um, PNLP the Premier Non-League podcast which I do as well which I won't I won't say who they are on here because when they come out, people will be blind me. That's quite a good one to have on. Um, but, you know, people people want to talk about non-league. People want to get themselves out there. It's the easiest way they can promote promote their club. You know, great time to strike while the iron's hot, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And and we were really, um, we were really pleased last year that we were able to get, because uh, we spoke to Mark Beard. Obviously, that was our first one and we got mm. um, good stuff from him, things that Gary and I didn't know about when he is playing days and things like that. And then, and then obviously Mark and spoke to the uh, managers of the women's team and a couple of players and James McShane and Alfie as well. And, and they were really good and they went down really well. And I think it, because we're not very, we're not very well known, you know, a lot of the, you know, you look some players up on Wikipedia and they got a whole page with their history and their backstory and, and you look some of ours up and there's not a huge amount there because, um, they've come through um, at lower leagues and lower levels um, or they're sort of starting their journey. Um, so it's good to sort of interview them and speak to them and, and get a little bit more, find out a bit more about them for for the people that go and watch Dorkin and things like that. Because it, and, and that's why we, we sort of said to people, you know, send us any questions you want because obviously there's stuff that you want to know about these guys and we'll try and ask them as much as we can. Um, and obviously Alfie had had his... Um, he'd had his um, heart operation. He hadn't had his knee operation yet when we spoke to him. Um, so there was quite a lot to chat to him about with that. So yeah, there's always there's generally always been an angle to to get and and I've you know and I'll always talk about Dawkins and non-league football to whoever whoever asked me as well. And I've been on a few other ones like yours and and Rob were all over at Aldershot and spoken to him a few times on his one. He did one actually. He put me right in the um, he put me like threw me right under the bus. He did one. And it was on a Sunday, yeah. and he he didn't tell me. And he was like, right, so we're going to speak to James from uh, who's a Dorking fan. And he brought Callum Reynolds on, and um, <laughs> they played. We'd played Bromley the day before, <laughs> and he'd actually, he'd have like an absolute walk in the park because we barely laid a glove on him that in that game. <laughs> and he was on there as well, which is quite funny. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, so they're all they're really good, and I think it shows that there's so much interest out there in national in non-league football, um, and people are people want to find out about it as much as they can. I think. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more receptive to it. Right, we're going to wrap up there, James. Thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. And if anybody who's listening out there, from fans of any other club, players, chairman, owners, whoever, you're quite welcome to come on at any time. Just drop me a. Drop me a message, um, especially on Twitter at Trev, TrevK37, or you find me on Facebook. You find me on the Substack platform where uh, the podcast and the and the blog is www.footballwriting.co.uk. So thank you very much if you've listened, and hopefully I'll see you again soon with episode six. 